Middleton, Wisconsin, the good neighbor city, a suburb of Madison found to the west of the capital city. Middleton is basically a good place to live. Crime is low, education is outstanding, and only less than 2% of residents are below the poverty line. The temperature was only in the 20s on the evening of January 2nd, 1980. It had been 12 years since Christine was brutally murdered. Seven years since Tina was stabbed to death. Four years since Deborah's body was found. Two years since Julianne Hall was found. And Julie Spearschneider and Susan LeMahieu, their bodies had not even been discovered yet. This is a Searching for Closure podcast. Tonight, another cold case from the Metro Police Homicide Files. It's a murder from 1973. Seventeen-year-old Shirley Stewart stood five foot seven and weighed 125 pounds. I cannot find any pictures of Shirley, despite doing more research than I have done on any of the other girls. So, like I said in the last episode about Susan, when I can hardly find any information on a victim, it really makes me want to look even harder. What I found, though, was she was last seen leaving her job at a maid clinic in Madison. Almost a year and a half later, on July 16, 1981, four archaeological students were mapping a state park in the town of Westport. Westport is a small town just north of Madison, not too far from the Wanakee Marsh State Wildlife Area. As the students were mapping the area on the north shore of Lake Mendona, they discovered Shirley's body, hidden in a bush about 50 feet into the thick forest. Police were unable to determine the cause of death, but the Dane County coroner said that there was no trauma to the skeletal remains. The results indicated that they could find no evidence that a bullet, knife, or other instrument penetrated any bones, but they cannot rule out death from a bullet or knife wound. That sounds a little confusing, but... Basically, what they're saying is that just because no bones were broken or scratched from a bullet or a knife doesn't mean that she wasn't killed by one of those two methods. Knowing a little bit about bullet trajectory, I find it almost impossible to shoot someone to death without the bullet at least striking one bone, even if it barely scratches it. Probably a lot easier to stab someone to death and not leave any evidence, especially if the person is restrained. The coroner also said that it's possible that she could have been strangled. Much like Susan, I literally found two articles on Shirley, but I did find something interesting on a web sleuth discussion board. Someone claiming to be Shirley's sister claimed that it had to be someone that she had known. She said that Shirley left the building at work at one time, but did not actually punch out until a later time. She believes that Shirley was talking to someone in the parking lot and that she left on her own with this person. She also believes her sister returned home that evening and left again because she heard the dog barking while everyone was asleep. I reached out to this person claiming to be her sister, but I've not heard back. She posted that message in 2009 and has not been active on the discussion forum since. I found her on Facebook 
But I think I learned my lesson from working on Tina's case that it isn't a good idea to randomly message people on Facebook about a tragic murder that happened decades ago. One interesting article that I almost missed was a notice of hearing found on August 27, 1981. I'll post a clipping of the article on my website, searchingforclosure.com. It reads, Termination of Parental Rights In the interest of an illegitimate child, date of birth December 11, 1978, to unknown father. Description of father is unknown. Last known residence of father is unknown. Information regarding the above-named child is as follows. Date of birth, December 11, 1978. Place of birth, Lutheran Hospital, La Crosse, Wisconsin. 8 pounds, 13 ounces. Two weeks late. Period of conception, February 12th through April 14th. Place of conception, unknown. Name of the mother of the above-named child is Shirley Eileen Stewart, deceased, with a message stating, quote, Notice is hereby given that a hearing will be held on a petition for termination of parental rights of unknown father to Eileen Stewart on the 16th day of September, 1981, at 2 p.m. in Circuit Court Branch 6, Room 244, at the city county building. If you fail to appear at such hearing, an order may be entered terminating your parental rights to the above named Christina Stewart. So what does this tell me? Well, it tells me that she was only 16 years old when she had a child. She gave birth to her daughter, Christina, just over a year before she went missing. She might have known who the father was, but... Apparently, her parents did not. This court summons is her parents trying to get custody of their grandchild. I found Shirley's daughter on Facebook, and it looks like she's doing really good for herself. Of course, I don't want to reach out to her. She might not know about any of this, or perhaps she does, and she chose to move on with her life. I don't want to bring up old wounds for anyone, but... If she does happen to hear this and wants to talk to me about her mother, I would be honored to speak to her or anyone who knew Shirley. I really want to find out more about her, but I can only go so far without invading people's private lives, and I don't want to do that. I have no more information on this case, and it's a shame that it's so short, but perhaps someone out there knows something that can help. Next week, we are tailgating outside of Camp Randall Stadium, right in the heart of Madison. A bright and beautiful 23-year-old woman is attacked, and her killer is never identified. That's all for today's episode. If you have any tips, leads, or clues regarding any of the cases I cover, please email me at info at searchingforclosure.com or join our Facebook group which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash searching for closure. All of these links along with photos, articles, and updates can be found at searchingforclosure.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're instantly updated with any new episodes. If I do get any breaking news, I'll release it as soon as I can record it, instead of waiting until the normal release date. Also, 
Please share this podcast with all your friends and family. Share it on Facebook. Tell your coworkers. Tell anyone and everyone you know. The more people who listen to this, the more tips and breaks in the case we might get. The more fresh eyes we have examining it, the more possibilities we have in seeing a new angle or something that might have been overlooked. Until next time, thank you for listening.